Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Sarah Turner, co-founder and CEO of Sarah Thrive, a red light system that specifically targets the gut-brain connection. Sarah holds degrees in clinical neuroscience, psychological sciences, and nutritional medicine. And in today's conversation, we discuss photobiomodulation and specifically how to use light therapy to support health by addressing the gut and the brain together. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. I'm so excited to just pick your brain today. And since we're going to be talking about brains, this will be good. But I always love to hear personal story you know, how did you get to, how did you decide I'm going to create this amazing product that focuses on the gut-brain connection? Sure. Well, well, my trajectory is kind of through maybe a lot of conventional medicine and then to alternative. And now I've kind of settled on light therapy as a good middle ground, but I started off in pharmaceutical research, actually. So, so, yeah. So when I, during studying at university and then after I left I was at various drug companies Merck Sharp and Dome and Glaxo I spent a fair amount of time in inhaled product research so looking at asthma devices and I did kind of come across the limitations of that kind of therapy in in a way you know it became obvious you know that the drugs are good for certain things but for these long-term conditions there are a lot of limitations there And so I switched to do nutritional medicine and I did that for a while and I set up a little health food shop and I had a nutrition consultancy. But again, there were even limitations there that I found. So I then went on to look at uh, neuroscience and I studied clinical neuroscience in London. And after which time I went to California and got involved in the whole biohacking movement that was going on over there. Which is um, how we met. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Dave Asprey uh, Biohacker Summit. And actually, that was one of the places where I first started getting to really understand this concept of introducing biophysics into biology and health, into a health setting. And so I was working actually in Santa Cruz, California on a consciousness interface device which is a fairly out there, fringe science way of looking at information fields. Wow, that's a that's a long way away from pharmaceutical research. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, it's the two extremes, really, because in pharmaceutical research, you really are kind of just following a program. You're you've got very specific rules that you're following. You know, you have to follow good laboratory practice, and it's you know you're quite confined. And then you know, in this very alternative fringe science, you know, people are much more you know, you're chucking all of that out and you're having to think about the body and science in a very different way. So I feel like I did the two extremes. And then after doing that for a while, I kind of wanted to come back to something which was a little bit more measurable. Because although the alternative side is very interesting, because we don't can't yet measure it, or perhaps, you know, there's certain things that are not quite right there, it's very difficult to really get your teeth into it and and say something with kind of any certainty you know there's a lot of oh it could be this you know and and a lot of people are open to that and that's great and a lot of people are helped by that but for me personally I wanted to do something that was much more measurable scientific at least in the sense that you can document these effects and present them to people and and you know, speak to the scientific community as well as to the alternative health community. So that's why really I'm now focused solely on photobiomodulation, which is just this long word for light therapy. Because although light therapy, of course, it is a little bit esoteric because nobody even really knows what light is, you know. So there has to be, there has to be you know, some kind of intuitive, open-minded way of looking at it. 
But for, at the same time, there is a lot of very credible, validated research. You know, there's, you know, 5,000 peer-reviewed studies on light therapy for a health application. So that's kind of where I've settled now. I think I've found this ideal middle ground. I love it because I, it really is, it, I, I always find it fascinating that the what I are really foundational <laughs> basics for humankind are, is now cutting edge science and wellness care. <laughs> and so, and I, I think, you know, you say light therapy, I, I love the word photobiomodulation because it it is, it's about changing our bi- biology with light. And Mm -hmm. so it's not just, you know, and there's so many different kinds of light and and ways to use light to support health. Uh, How did you kind of narrow down into this gut-brain connected area? Yeah, well, as I said to you, I did, I have a master's in neuroscience, so I was already sort of fixated on the brain. And then in doing a lot of this biohacking, I made a biohacking movie, or at least um, co-produced it with a friend of mine I started to really understand this whole connected body piece and you know if you want to have a good brain you know you can't you can't isolate the brain from the rest of the body that's just not how things work and so I got more and more uh, interested in a kind of systemic approach to biology and then this is especially important actually in photobiomodulation because you're talking about getting light to the organ you know you're talking about actually irradiating a body part with light and when you think of the brain it's not the most accessible organ in the body you know there are a lot of barriers hair's a barrier you know bone is a barrier it's kind of awkward to have this thing you know shining light onto the head you know the head is round you know you have to have something that contours to the to the head to get to actually get a chance even of getting a very small percentage of light to the brain so that's why I started thinking one there is a systemic the, you know there's a systemic part of it in that everything in the body is connected and then there's also a very practical part of it in that it's difficult to get light to the brain so if you really want to have the maximum chance of getting a good dose of light to the body generally I think it's, you know, it makes sense to access something like the gut where you can deliver a lot of the light. And, you know, the effects of that are going to, you know, are going to get to the brain. All the blood that's in the gut is going to get to the brain. The microbiome that's in the gut talks to the brain. The vagus nerve talks to the brain. So from my point of view, the whole gut brain connection is is important in all chronic illness, but very specifically important in photobiomodulation when you're talking about getting light to the brain you know, which isn't the easy, the easiest of jobs. I love that. And I I really love the (laughs) newer, seemingly newer knowledge that, you know, that this two directional, we used to think, oh, the brain is just in charge of the body and sending all the signals. And now we know, no, actually (laughs) there is, it's a two-way street and, and a lot of stuff starts in the gut and, you know, we've covered on the podcast many times before the importance of gut health and autoimmunity and, and immunity in general. And so I, I love this. It just makes sense now that you've put it out there. <laughs> yes. If we want to get to the brain, you know, including the gut in that equation is essential. Yeah, you're right. And and from a point of view of immunity, you know, a lot of the immune responses in the brain, you know, do start in the gut. A lot of neurotransmitters start in the gut, like the endocannabinoid system. You know, we know that that is a link between brain immunity and the body generally, and our body is covered in these kind of receptors. And all of these receptors, all of these systems seem to respond in some way to light therapy. You know, even, you know, the whole concept of inflammation, you know, we now know a lot of brain conditions are caused by chronic inflammation. Yeah, most of them. (laughs) Most of them, if you if you can kind of reduce the inflammation in the body generally, you know, you've got a much better chance of dealing with issues that you have with the brain. So I think it, it is really super linked to the immune system, actually what's going on. And I think the gut is playing such a huge part in, in the immunity of the brain. And you're right, you know, we kind of intuitively know this and a lot of people who are into alternative medicine have been kind of banging this drum for a long time. 
But now in mainstream media, you know, if you go on LinkedIn, there's always a post there about a new disease that's been linked to the gut-brain connection. You know, we know about Parkinson's now, there's um, autistic spectrum disorder, addictive personality disorder. Every time people are starting to see Alzheimer's, okay, Alzheimer's yeah, all the kinds of neurodegeneration, yeah. there does seem to be this link between the immune system, the gut and the brain. Which is, you know, I, I just love <clears throat> this approach of, okay, if we're really focused on brain, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's the inverse almost to, to most of the conversations out there. And knowing I'm certified to recode Alzheimer's and, and dementia coach and knowing how essential, you know, the gut health is to improving brain function. I love, I love that you're doing this. I want to talk a little bit because as you said, light therapy has become, you know, there, there's so many different ways and what you're doing is really unique and, and cutting edge. And I'm sure there will be a lot of, a lot of companies following suit, but how do people know the different, I mean, there's so many different kinds of light, like tell me a little bit more about how the audience can become educated as to what to look for in light devices and maybe, you know, certain, certain lights going for certain things. Yeah, you're right. There are a lot of products on the market and I think it very much depends on what your health goal is on which of these products that you go for. Because, you know, if you've got like a bashed knee from an injury, you know, you'd probably want a different device if if you've got some kind of pre-dementia. So I think the most important thing is to kind of decide, okay, what is the main purpose for the device? And then try and find devices which have some degree of flexibility. Because I think one of the main things that I found out about, you know, light therapy is, of course, light travels in a straight line. We know that. But this is very important for looking at the body and treating all different things on the body because the body's not flat you know so the the panels are great if you're a biohacker and you want to keep your body in a very good condition but they're maybe not so good if you're looking to really get to a specific area you know if you want to get like deep into a knee joint or if you actually want to kind of get deep into the gut or very especially if you want to get into the brain you really need to have a device that contours to the body you know that's round and so it will deliver light in the way that aids maximum penetration because you've got to bear in mind you've got these straight lines of light coming in and and then the other thing is also you want to look at the color of light or the wavelength because the longer the wavelength of light generally as a rule the deeper it will travel into the body so you'll see a lot of the devices on the market have a red light which is usually in the range of like six 600 to 650 nanometers and then a near infrared light which is usually about 850, 810, 850 nanometers. And the reason why they have those two colors is because red light will only penetrate superficially. So, you know, if you're treating skin disorders or wounds or something, red light's great. But if you do want to get into that joint or onto the surface of the brain or into the gut, you do need a longer wavelength of light. So you need something that's above 850 nanometers for that. Okay. And and that's, I, I think essential for people to understand. And like you said, it goes back to what is your intention? Yes. What's your goal? And for me, I mean, and again, I'd like, if we could all do all of it, (laughs) that would be ideal. (laughs) But I can't think of any way in which it wouldn't make sense to prioritize brain health, whether you're a biohacker and you want to be up leveling and protecting from decline, or, you know, like we all our brain health is essential to our quality of life, no matter what else is going on. Yes. Yeah. yeah, That's been my take from the beginning. You know, if you've got a good brain and you're functioning well, you know, you can deal with, with most other things that are coming up, you know, even pain, you know, if your brain is working, if you've got enough sleep, you know, if you, if you're taking care of how you're doing mentally, you know, all of these things that the challenges become, you can deal with them better. So I think, yeah, prioritizing the brain and the way to do that is, you know, treat the gut, prioritize the brain. And then a lot of these other health conditions kind of come into focus a little bit more. And you're right, the preventative side, you know, we are 
unfortunately you know we're coming you know we have a generation of people which are facing a lot of dementia because you know the rates are on the rise for all all many different reasons so yeah kind of maintaining good health as you age also you know by by treating your brain first and foremost yeah from yeah for me that seems to be you know where i always start is with brain health and and have you found at all you know if because i'm thinking okay you're treating gut and brain and so people with gut issues i would imagine that the panel on the belly is a great idea yeah it is and and i actually myself i had a a little bit of ibs maybe you call mm-hmm. it ibd in the states but you know irritable well, bowel both. yeah and i have found that that has, has drastically diminished to the to the point where i don't notice that anymore and and i and if, but of course it's like you can't say oh the IBS has gone back that, you know, and how does that affect the brain? Because of course, it, you know, we ha- we've spoke about, you know, you have this two way thing. Once right. you're fixing that issue, you're fixing the brain, you know, the fogginess goes, you know, all of that, the kind of anxiety piece goes. So, yeah, I think this, this whole thing about gut brain, you know, I'm sure that this is going to be something that's treated routinely in the future for all of these different things, you know, gosh, I hope so. <laughs> Be that's, great. that's why we're having these conversations, exactly, right? Because, exactly right. Yeah, because it's it like Parkinson's, as you've mentioned, you know, the, often the gut symptoms come a long time before the brain symptoms, sure, you know? Sure. And I, I love that you just specifically mentioned anxiety because anxiety and depression are things that people tend to, you know, they can buy into there's some kind of neurotransmitter or something going on, but that step to gut... <laughs> Yes, still sometimes a bigger leap for people. And I I just had a conversation yesterday with somebody uh, was sharing a story about a a past client who didn't come to me for anxiety, but really struggled. She was a a high functioning, anxious person. (laughs) And through what we, you know, just diet change and gut health support that we were doing for her other issues, all of a sudden her anxiety was gone. And, and this was a a very targeted, simple, it was gluten, you know, when she put it back in and, and that's not uncommon. I see it a lot. And so it makes, I I just want to kind of drive home, you know, we're talking about, I I love focusing on dementia and brain health and, and longevity, but also, you know, the mood disorders really, really are driven by gut health. And and it's so interesting now all of the discoveries they're making with the microbiome, you know, because when you think about the human body, you know, we we kind of take ownership of this body, but actually we're a lot less human cells than we are bacterial cells. You know, we're kind of a a collage of all these different organisms that all have their different needs and wants. So, you know, if you have a lot of these kind of detrimental bacteria in your gut, of course, they're putting out their own chemicals you know they're doing their own thing and now they've kind of seen that a lot of people who have a lot of anxiety disorders depression those kinds of things they there's a lot of dysbiosis there's a lot of this potentially not so beneficial bacteria and they're putting out compounds that are getting to your brain you know and then that could be the cause of some of the depression so some of this isn't really you know, it's maybe not even coming from you, as in you, the human, you know, it's right. coming from your bacterial compadres that are in there doing their own thing. So tackling that, you know, really getting to grips with your gut bacteria, doing all of those things, of course, that could have a huge effect on all of these different kinds of moods, even, you know, something as simple as being able to sleep. I saw a really interesting paper the other day about addictive personality disorder, you know, a lot of people's addictions, you know, the cravings can be coming from, you know, what the bacteria wants, you know? <laughs> yeah, I we I deal with that a lot with any kind of a yeast or candida overgrowth. Yeah. Driving sugar cravings just, and we all know sugar is really addictive. We also know it's inflammatory, but I, I try to get people to shift and think, okay, you know, as you're having that, like, that's not you, you're not the one screaming to be fed. <laughs> it's these, these other organisms. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it is amazing. We, we just don't even realize that 
we are not always in charge. <laughs> yes. And and I think yeah. that's quite liberating because, the, okay, I, you know, I can do something about this because, you know, if it's as simple as, you know, focus on your gut bacteria, really try to, like you say, it, it's difficult to remove the sugar because you've got these creatures that are crying for the sugar. Because they're but- going to die if you don't feed them sugar. <laughs> which you want. We've got their agendas. So yeah, but it enables you to do things, you know, like therapy has been shown to change the microbiome, dietary change has been shown, simple things like circadian biology, you know, timing your body more with the body's natural rhythms, you know, enables those beneficial bacteria to grow because, you know, they have their optimal environments too. And I would assume I'm not, this is not scientific, but it just, in the way my brain works, I think of you know, the red light or the light on the gut, nurturing the good bacteria, those things that that we want. I always, I just think of it as a positive thing. I don't know the mechanism of action, but I I think as we increase the good, there's less room for the bad. And and I think actually at the moment, because the science is so new, you know, we don't entirely know how it's working. I mean, there's a whole field now called photobiomics, which is the study of light on bacteria. And certainly in an animal model, there does seem to be a direct correlation. If you shine light onto a a rodent, for example, and then do stool analysis, you can see very directly a correlation between shining light onto the gut and a change in the microbe composition. And that probably is you are actually shining light on the bacteria directly. Because remember, bacteria and uh, mitochondria, you know, probably have a similar evolutionary history. And and the mitochondria is is really the main light receiver in the body. In in humans, I don't know if we are so sure about that because, you know, humans come in different shapes and sizes and yet light seems to have an effect on the microbiome regardless of, you know, how how much light you're getting into the actual gut area. But I think you're right. I think what's really going on is you're allowing the body to return to a homeostasis where you have the right conditions in the gut. You know, you have oxygenated blood going to the gut, you have a decrease in inflammatory chemicals in the gut, then that enables, you know, you create a good environment for the good bacteria to proliferate. So I think it it could be that you're shining light directly into the bacteria, but I think maybe more likely at this stage with the, with the light panels and the light pads is that you are enabling the, the correct environment for those good bacteria to grow. Yeah, which is, is it is the same as diet change. And I wouldn't do one or the other. <laughs> I would do both, but that's just, that's just my approach, you know, support in, in every way, shape or, or form. Let's talk a little bit more specifically about the Sarah Thrive. Like let's, because it is different than any I've seen. I've been in the biohacking world since 2016. I've seen a lot of like you said, you know, the light panels are popular. I've seen light, ba- you know, you name it. I've seen a lot of different kind of lights. And so let, let's talk a little specific. And you mentioned some of the the things already, but for people who haven't seen a prototype or, you know, don't, don't know exactly what it, what it looks like and what it's doing. Let's talk about that. Yes, yeah, sure. Thank you. Yeah. So, so the Sarah Thrive device, it's a system. So it's two devices actually. So, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of spoken exactly why you'd want to have a gut brain, mm-hmm. a gut for your brain and one for your gut. So it's, it has a panel, actually a flat panel with the two wavelengths that I've mentioned. So it has the 630 and the 850 light that goes directly over the abdomen. And then at the same time, there is a headband and the headband fits very flush to the forehead where you don't have the hair. So you have one less barrier to get through. It does have one little unit that goes on the back that you can kind of just um, hopefully poke a little bit under the hairline there. And and these are clusters. And in, and in these clusters, there is actually four wavelengths because in the brain, I think probably water is one of the chromophores that's going to be important. So after about 9, 14 nanometers, water starts to absorb light. So in the brain band, there's the red light to get the, the blood around the head. And then there's also the 850 to penetrate through the skull and then 940 and 1070. So there's four different wavelengths of light. So you're getting to that surface of the brain at the same time as the gut. And then another thing that we can do with the with the light going to the brain, which is very interesting, is we can pulse that light at certain frequencies. 
because we know that the brain is oscillating at certain frequencies. We have certain brain waves that are predominant at certain times, depending what we're doing, you know, whether we're alert and focused, whether we're asleep, whether we're kind of daydreaming, our brain is oscillating at different frequencies. And by providing the light in these different frequencies, you can you can have an effect on the brain state there. And this is interesting for those conditions we spoke about for things like anxiety, depression, uh, dementia, where people maybe get stuck in a certain brain state. Yes. So that's very that's a very interesting like additional function or feature of this device is that we can change not only can we change the wavelength of the light, we can also change the the rate of oscillation the Hertz oscillation. So there are six different programs in the Sarah system for six different brain wellness applications. Love that. And I, and just because I've seen the device, <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the flat pad and it, it is a pad. So you, we talked, we touched on earlier that you want something that's going to form to you. And so I was able to see all different sizes and shapes easily use Sarah Thrive um, at the conference we were both at. And and I, so I think that I just wanted to loop back to that where the difference of just having a panel in front of you, you have yes. this pad that is directly on you. On. Yeah, you can strap it, you can kind of attach it with Velcro and you can put the headband on. And that was one of the other criteria that I wanted, because if you said, you know, we're trying to do all the things all the time. But I think one of the barriers is if you have to actually kind of sit by an electrical output, you know, right. do, you know, I know for me, you know, I'm rushing around all the time, sometimes carving out that time after you've done all your morning routine and everything else that the biohackers are meant to do. It's just another barrier to the therapy. So this has a rechargeable battery, a shielded rechargeable battery, so that so that you can stack your hacks. And you just mentioned a, a really good point that I want to hit on because I am I am that person who always goes to the, but what about the EMFs and what about the Bluetooth and what about the so yes. let's let's touch on that. You mentioned the battery is shielded. Because, yes, you know, you have a device on your head. You want to make sure you're not doing, you know, damage while you're trying to do something good. Yeah, you don't want to do more harm than good. You're right. And so one of the criteria for designing this device was that it, the battery had to be totally shielded. And I have one of those Cornet meters that I actually gave to the engineer and said it has to always be on the green reading of this. And so, you know, they're kind of looking at me as if I'm nuts, but they kind of type in the spec and we had that down as one of the criteria. And then with the app, it is app controlled. So there is a Bluetooth that's giving the command of whatever selection you might have for the pulsing. But then on top of the device, there is a disable switch. So as soon as you've selected your program, you disable the Bluetooth onto the headband, and then there's no Bluetooth going in or out of that for the duration of the session. And, for and you know, people don't have to use the app if they don't want to use the app. If you just want to use it. The same program over and over. Yeah. yeah. The same program, which was be continuous mode. You don't even have to have the app. But, but like I say, I'm quite happy that with the Bluetooth disable switch, you're not getting any of that kind of... Right. Uh, non-negative that you don't want going in there. And I think that's often overlooked by people. You know, there's lots of the, the, the more time marches on, the more gadgets and devices and wonderful things that, that we get to have. But also if you can't turn that Bluetooth off, you know, the, the trackers, it just drives me crazy. The, you know, I have one that I've had for a long time because I can I can put it on airplane mode and it's still doing its thing, but it's not it's not doing anything to me. It's just here for me. And so that was actually one of my most favorite parts of your of your device. It's like, wow, she really you can tell it's biohacker created <laughs> because these are the details, you know, it's it's like having to me, like hydrogen water in plastic, like, no, no, <laughs> I don't want the plastic, figure it out another way. So I, I love that you really, I think, have covered all angles. And I believe I overheard you saying you guys will continue to add programs through time, right? It has, it has, yeah. It has, at the moment, we have six programs, and they're ones that have been worked out for kind of for basic functions like focus energize meditation 
there's a balanced one in there. But I've been working with some scientists actually who are more on the physics side that are looking at creating apps to maybe activate certain neurotransmitters or things like that. Now, at the moment, it's a little bit untested. So, you know, that's a process that we're going through. But I'm hoping if we can get some good results with with different kinds of frequency programs, we can introduce those as we get them developed. And so the the headband has been designed so that you can update you can update the apps that you want to use just through the the, the app on the phone. So That's yeah, fantastic. as things as new developments come up and people say, okay, well we think that this way, you know, this frequency pulsing, you know, maybe even a a program, you know, I know people who are very granular in how they're how they're working out these pulsing and it doesn't necessarily have to be a straight hurts like on and off and in fact even in this device we don't just deliver for example if we're doing 10 hertz it's not just 10 times a second it's in a variable it's kind of 10 times a second average but variable because the body's very variable you know we know that the body likes variation because within variation there's flexibility and that's why heart rate's not consistent you know that's why brain waves are not consistent because the body has a built-in um flexibility there so i think of like flexibility equals resilience is kind of how i look at i know which so i I think that's brilliant that it's not just you know a set specific you know equally spaced kind of a pattern because then i feel like you just get into another loop it's just a different (laughs) loop at that point yeah, and it's not how the body works. It's not how the body processes information. The body, you know, it has information that's, that, well, it seems random, but it, it has a pattern. And it has a pattern for the reason, like you say, it's resilience, it's flexibility. You know, if you're sitting still and the tiger would jump through this window now, I, I need my heart to pretty much speed Come on, up. Come let's get online. Yeah. <laughs> there needs to be that variation, you know, and if you're stuck in a repetitive, you know, it's harder to change so so definitely as we learn more about how to deliver light we can update that and I like I say I think this is something that it's this is the piece that's taking off now because people know that light therapy works but sure. what is the best way to deliver light what is the best way to pulse light you know can you pulse different wavelengths to get different effects so I think that's now where a lot of the research is going and, you know, I think we can be much more specific in the future about the application of, of the different kinds of light and the different pulsing schedules. Which is exciting. And as you said, this is where the research is going so that you know there will be more and more information. Um, scientific. I, I do love you really are dancing that, you know, definitely pure science, but cutting edge at the same time and and pushing barriers. That's how we learn and and make progress. So I am excited about that. How, how do people find Sarah Thrive? Thank you. Yeah. At the moment it's sarahthrive.com. People can go to the website, sarahthrive.com. And then I have most of the socials. I must admit, I'm not, I'm not brilliant on the socials, but definitely (laughs) LinkedIn LinkedIn and Instagram uh, and Facebook is there with Sarah Thrive or the Sarah system, but all of it can be accessed through the website. SarahThrive.com is probably the easiest way for people to find out. And I'm just Sarah at uh, SarahThrive.com if people want to reach out to me directly. Which they should. She's you're you're brilliant and you're fun and and you make the science accessible. You know, I can sit here and understand what you're saying, and I'm sure listeners are understanding as well. And it really is kind of food for thought. I I have a question because you're the right person to answer it. You know, we're talking about adding light, right? The body receiving light. And specifically the brain, does the brain, do we emit light at all? Yeah, we do emit light. Yeah, we 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 emit ultra weak photonic emissions, which are sometimes called biophotons. And yeah, we're we're emitting biophotons all the time. And actually, this is maybe one of the ways that light is working in the brain, because when you stimulate the mitochondria, it's really the mitochondria that are producing these kind of ultra weak photonic emissions. And so perhaps that's setting up a cascade and it's a different communication to 
neural communication. You know, we already know that things are going on in the brain far faster than the nervous system can account for. You know, there's something else going on and people have put forward all different theories, living matrix theory, maybe it's a piezoelectric effect going on there. Or So, yeah, I think probably this, the biophotons, which were actually were discovered many, many years ago, you know, the concept that we're emitting lights, not a new one. You know, that this is Gerwich's work. This is Fritz Albert Pop. This is Mei Wan Ho. You know, we're going back to the 1940s and, and, and forward from there. But yes, that all living cells emit light. It's just very, very weak. So you can't see it with the naked eye. But there are machines called biophoto multipliers that I've actually seen. I actually went to Fritz Albert's Pop in Germany's lab when he was doing the research. Uh, and if you put like a cucumber seedling or you know if you put a person in there you can see the the light being emitted so yes you're right I, and i think probably um and dr Anne lieber uh, one of the most prominent researchers on um photobiomodulation has um, published a paper on biophotons recently and a lot of the researchers are talking about it dr lou lim who has a the v light product so yes we, we are emitting light and probably, you know, that's a communication that we're maybe missing. You know, you and I were kind of sure. talking, but we met directly in person and probably had that kind of exchange of biophotons. Sure. You know, well, and you you mentioned, you know, electricity and energy. And, and so we know we're sensitive to each other's fields. And so, you know, I'm sure light is a piece of that. I mean, you think of I think it, I don't, and this is totally just my own, not scientific. I, I just wonder if there is a a correlation. If we'll discover down the road, maybe not in my lifetime, but you know, the kind of the the amount of light we're emitting, how how it correlates to health or or wellness or just energy in general. You know, some people. I mean, you know, you we may not see the actual light, but we're definitely picking up on. We talk about some people being yeah, sunshine, people. and some, yeah. you know, and yeah, no. some people are have what I would call dark energy, and I wonder if light is a piece of what we're receiving, and we're just not aware. Oh, for sure, I think for sure, and and we already know that that cells in different stages will emit different kinds of light and a different degree of light you know cells that are dying perhaps are putting out a lot more uv light you know we, we can kind of measure certain things but but you know because you need these highly sensitive machines not sure. many people do the research <laughs> but i think you're totally right we we will find out you know these kind of nuances this between is the woo woo part that the science will come explain eventually <laughs> Uh, to me, that's how it all kind of connects, right? <laughs> You're right. It's woo-woo until they start measuring it, and right. then all of a sudden right. it's science. <laughs> but, th but there are people, you know, in academic, you know, I know there's a guy at Zurich University, you know, who's, who's an expert in biophotonic emission in bacteria. So, you know, once that information starts to filter down, you know, then it will become interesting and we'll we'll start to get more and more advanced technology. And there, I'm sure we will definitely find a link between light emission in cells and health sure sure so and, and then from sure. there potentially you know because we already know that we emit an electromagnetic field and perhaps that's what you feel you know someone comes in the room and you sure. get the oh yeah in the room and you think oh yeah that's a cool person you know that's probably a mixture of all different non-verbal signals right. including potentially light including electromagnetic fields yeah yeah, that's interesting. I never, you know, I, I've thought about the electromagnetic and I've never thought about the light, but it, it does make sense. It, it So that's a another fun part to watch. But for now, to me, this leap in, again, resources that we have that we can use without going to a doctor's office. I live with a doctor. I love doctors. I'm not saying <laughs> they're bad. I'm just saying anything we can do for ourselves to support, you know, and, and something like light that, that has so many different uses to me is just exciting. It, it really is. I think, that, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Really, we need to kind of move forward with a bit of sovereignty of ourselves yes. and wellness yep. because we're the, we're the experts on ourselves, you know, 
And we have our bodies to experiment on you. You know, you can kind of get a feeling of if something's right for you or not, or if you're on the wrong path, or if you're feeling good or feeling bad. But also, I think as society gets bigger and bigger, the health systems in most countries are straining at the seams a little bit. You know, we do need to take that responsibility and do as much as we can. And 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 why not? You know, why, you know, the tools are available now. You know, we have, you know, it was probably like, I don't know, like fairly recently that we've been able to actually buy these devices and have right. them ourselves. Just think about lasers when they came out. They were like hundreds of thousands of pounds and you could only have them in a hospital. Now we can have right. these devices in our own homes and they're much more powerful. So why wouldn't we kind of learn about these ways of taking care of ourselves? Yeah, and- no, it's, and I think, in you know, being in functional medicine, it's again, the science lags behind when you're, we're talking about scientific method, but we know anecdotally when the things that we're doing are working for mm-hmm. people, right? People get better. I use light therapy. I broke my shoulder five years ago and the <laughs> doctor said, which was just rude, you know, oh, at your age, it's going to take, it's, it's going to take a long time for this to, to heal. And I blew him away, you know, and, and I didn't, I, a, I didn't take the things he told me to take. Cause those are things I'm not taking. <laughs> and he just could not, could not believe how fast in my fifties, my, my bone healed. And I'm like, well, I have tools that you don't use. <laughs> it's that simple. Right. Like, right. Really? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally, yeah, I totally applaud that because, you know, every time that you're taking a pharmaceutical intervention, for example, there's a price to pay down the road. And I'm not, I'm not a big pharma bashing. I mean, how can I, you know, I worked there for a long time. Well, no, and there's a time and a place. place. Yeah, there is a place. And you do have to kind of do a risk assessment every time you do something, you know, because you have to pay for taking, you know. That's why we do have such an opiate problem around the world because, you know, it, you're kind of kicking the problem down the road a lot of the time. Right. And a lot of these more alternative therapies, like you say, using nutrition, using light, you know, kind of using outdoors even, you're strengthening the body rather than weakening it. Yeah. So so you have to weigh it up because these things, you know, you have, okay, you're not going to get an instant effect, but potentially you're strengthening your body further down the line versus potentially instant relief but you're then paying for it later. So I think for every everybody, make the choice, but make good choices for yourself because, you know, we're in these bodies. Hopefully long, <laughs> a long time and, and brains, right? And again, yeah. it goes back to how do you want to feel as, right. as you age? Is there any, because, you, you know, I was thinking of pharmaceuticals and listeners know my story. I mean, I was on 10 prescriptions at my sickest, because I needed most of them for the side effects of the other prescription. So there's that downside you were talking about. But is there, are there contraindications for, I, I won't say red light in general, for, for the Serethrive? Is there anybody who shouldn't yeah. use it or any? A good question. It's a good question. And there are kind of standard contraindications that people say, because I think, like I say, that there is a lot of research, but maybe people want to err on the side of caution. So, sure. so there is a contraindication for active cancer, for an example, be- because they don't, know, you yeah. know, because red light therapy makes cells grow. So potentially there could be some kind of issue there. Mm-hmm. Actually, there is a lot of data coming out now that doesn't support that. And it actually supports the body's returning again to homeostasis. Okay. But I think for safety's sake and because you know, maybe mm-hmm. the data isn't conclusive, that would be a contraindication. But mostly there are no known side effects with this. And like I say, there is a lot of data out there and really no side effects. I would say one thing that it does seem to be a, what they call a biphasic dose response in that you can overdo it. Okay. Not that it's going to make you ill, but you could potentially negate the effect, the good effect. Okay. Ah, and I, I love that idea because... <laughs> So many people have that mentality of, you know, if good is good, then more is better. (laughs) So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. And and I think you need to hit a sweet spot. And I think that's different for everybody. It depends what kind of state your mitochondria are in. You know, if your mitochondria are pretty shot to bits, if you've been ill or if you're very elderly or if there's some reason why you've become depleted, you maybe need less light. You know, you can maybe deal with less light. And so 
for most people, I would say, you know, gauge yourself well, you know, don't go and overdo it. Don't straight wear it back. all the time because you can. <laughs> don't wear it all the time just because you can and don't think more is better because actually, you know, a lot of the studies have shown that really the body responds to very low dose light. Okay. And I think what happens is if you use the light too much or if you shine, you know, red light into the gut too much, your cells do start speeding up, but they start to produce waste products. And if you create too many waste products that your kind of lymph can deal with or that your waste sure. removal systems can deal with, then potentially, you know, you're not getting those beneficial effects. So the Sarah Thrive system in particular is just 10 minutes and it's like three to five times a week. And, okay, and so it's not even daily. No, it's not even daily because I also think, you know, maybe the body does, the body needs to regenerate or do its thing in between. Yeah. Because every time you, it's almost like exercise, you know, you don't want to do it all the time because the body needs to recover in between. But every time you do it, you kind of strengthen a little bit further than the time before because you're shining light, the body receives the light and, oh, I need to make more light receivers. So it will do that, you know, if you give it time and then the next time you can tolerate a little bit more light and then the next time and the next time. So I see it very much like exercise. You know, you want to strengthen the body slowly. And so let the body kind of adapt to the light and not just use it, you know, 100% straight away. And and I think that's borne out in the research. You know, a lot of the data tends to show that there is a middle ground, you know, two little lights not really going to do much. Just about the right amount is going to have a great effect. If you overdo it, the effect starts to drop off again. Sure. Uh, it's just we can't say numbers, which of course is what everybody wants. You but know, we're all different. So how do you how do you do that? You can't standardize, and and I, yeah, and that's where we need to give a little grace, and that anecdotal stuff comes into play, right? Like I know my body, and I know what feels good. It, it and I love that analogy to exercise because. I, I meet so many people, especially that have felt a decline with autoimmunity that are, you know, they will not give up their exercise because that's where, you know, they've drawn that line in the sand and they're hurt. They're, it's not serving them because they're over exercising for where their body is right now. And so I love that, that, and we know, and, and if you ask how they feel after they exercise, they'll tell you terrible, <laughs> you know, like, well, that's information. And, and, you know, so there's no standard for, for a lot of these things. No. And that's actually a hard lesson. Actually, I've found that Uh hard lesson myself because I definitely was one of those people that was maybe doing too much because hot yoga one night, then I would do a Kung Fu class. Then I'd be doing, because you kind of have a mindset of, you know, you don't want to let your fitness drop off. Right. But actually, you know, integrating some recovery days (sighs) is, Oh, a revelation is very beneficial. <laughs> no, you know? but it, it's it was an important thing to bring up, and so I'm glad you yeah. brought it up with the light too. And then how do you then you get that where you can actually feel the benefit of the exercise when you have that rest in between? That's right. Yeah, yeah, and the body yeah. actually gets that chance to recover and repair, right. which you know is a vital piece. You know, you know they tell you all the time in yoga the laying down. You know this kind yeah. of shavasana is my favorite yeah. pose. <laughs> And, you know, it took me a while to get it. And now I think, yeah, you can apply that to a lot of these different therapies. You know, even with some of the nutrition, you know, you don't want to kind of do the same supplements over and over again, maybe cycle things through because the body, again, it's that whole flexibility thing. It likes to be able to rest and recover, grow a little bit more. You know, it's a cyclical thing. So, yeah, I think to, to kind of come back on your thing about contraindications, that that's really about as as much of a side effect or a contraindication that there is. So, I mean, certain things like epilepsy potentially could be a I contraindication. Was about that. I was curious. Yeah. Um, again, there's a lot of studies to show that it that photobiomodulation is actually effective for epilepsy. So, I think it is a case of doing the research and, and working out what works for you. I mean, certainly, it's not going into the eyes. So, all of those right, right. It's not like wearing a mask with lights or yeah. 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 And I I think, and the cancer thing, I, I, I totally, I'm familiar with the concerns there and, and I wouldn't, I won't be surprised when science comes out to say, no, you know, light is, is still okay. I, we have a, I have a medical grade laser and, and 
was using it on my dogs and I, <laughs> and my horses and myself. And I had, and then I had a dog diagnosed with cancer. And so I, I did stop using it on her because I don't know for sure. Yes. Right. And, and so, and, yeah. I know. And, and with all of these things, you know, we're talking, I mean, I, I am not qualified to talk about medical conditions specifically sure. with all of these things, check it out with with a medical professional absolutely someone who knows about these things but I think more and more medical specialists will start to look at this and you'll be able to see a specialist oncologist or whatever the condition is who will be able to kind of guide people through the process but right now we're not really there so it's really down to people to take their own responsibility to do their own due diligence and if in doubt check it out with a, yeah, a qualified doctor and then you know that you're kind of doing the best thing for you. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So I always ask at the end of the podcast for one step that listeners can take today and it can be anything. So it can be something we've covered or not to start to improve their health. Well, I would kind of encourage everybody to, to take a bit of an inventory of their light exposure over the day. And maybe do it for a week. Just do a little inventory and see what was the first light that you saw in the morning? Was it natural light? Was it artificial light? And what about through your day? Were you mainly in natural light? Did you go outside? And if you were in artificial light, was it kind of in a fluorescent office or kind of did you manage to get yourself next to a window? Um, just to gain a bit more awareness about your light environment, because we're talking a lot about these devices, but actually a lot of these devices are mimicking sunlight, you know? And, and so a lot of the effect comes from giving your body light that it can deal with and it can manage, you know, if you are exposed to too much blue light and it's ironic, we're kind of talking on this technology. I have my blockers on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's daytime here. So I'm kind of... Data, but certainly in the evening, yeah, put your blue blockers on, you know, check all the screens. But I think, first of all, you need to kind of see what you're dealing with because I think for a lot of people, it's like the food you eat. You don't realize until you start to really notice it. Pay attention. Something very simple like only seeing artificial light first thing in the morning could could really be a game changer for some people. You know, if you're someone, if you're that person who's looking at the news before you've even got out of bed, Try a week where you don't do that and you maybe stick your head out the window or even better, go and stand on your grass for 10 minutes, do some Tai Chi or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would. my first challenge would be just take an inventory. What yeah, what light have you been exposed to and how do you, did you feel in each yeah. situation? You know, if you're in this fluorescent lit office, did you feel as good as if you were walking outside? <laughs> Never, not for me. <laughs> I, doubt it, but- I think that's it's brilliant because we can't improve upon or make change with when we don't have the awareness. Yeah. It's always the first step. So absolutely brilliant. Sarah, thank you so much. You have given us a lot to think about and to do today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And it was so nice to see you again after seeing you. Yeah, it was great. Good to see you as well. For everyone listening, remember you can get the transcripts and show notes by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.